Well, it's been another week, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about resilience and connections. If you're like me, you face the extra weight that comes with chronic illness that adds a higher degree of fear to your day-to-day. My wife is an asthmatic, and uh, I have diabetes. And I worry any time we either go out for our weekly chores or someone in the house comes into contact with people not part of our inside circle. How have you been maintaining your safe connection to others? I'm home safe with my wife and kids. Our bond is closer than ever, though I'm pretty sure we all need to get away from each other a little bit more often. But when your family is far away and out of reach, or maybe they can't adapt to the high-tech ways we stay closer, it makes it a lot harder, doesn't it? We are social animals by nature, and when I'm trying to keep those connections, they're part of my relief valve. So I keep my mask and my little bottle of hand sanitizer with me at all times, and when the preparations come together, there's nothing that feels better than those precious moments and memories that come from it. Peter Kerbikoff is a retired entrepreneur from Redondo Beach, California. I met Peter as one of the parent volunteers at the high school band and guard booster group, and his energy and enthusiasm was immediately infectious. He spends his time working with local nonprofit groups and volunteering with the local Boy Scout troop. So uh, we're doing things a little bit differently today for the podcast. Uh, my guest is Peter Kerbikoff, um, a longtime family friend, and uh, we're going to talk about Life, the universe, and everything, but we're doing it in an outdoor setting with our masks on, separated by six feet. Uh, so any background noises and any strange sounding voices and all of that uh, just comes with the territory. Peter, thanks for coming. Absolutely, Jeff. Thank you for uh, inviting me today. You are truly, you're an entrepreneur. You had started your own businesses, you ran your own companies, all that. You're retired now? Yeah, as a matter of fact, because, you know, you always want to stay busy and do work and you feel like you're in your 40s and you're just in the middle of your career and everything's just going gung-ho. But uh, you know what? I'm on disability right now. Oh, That's unfortunate. I started started having symptoms earlier on in life where uh, I was getting numbness and I was having blind spots and then losing color. And, uh, you know, back in the, uh, I guess we'd say early uh, 1990, 89, 1990, these things were happening. And you go to the optometrist, and they wouldn't know what it is. So yeah. all these different things were happening. They just had no idea. They considered stress because I was always had my own business yeah. or working for somebody, two jobs, and everything else. And they just uh, attributed it to just uh, overwork. That's kind of okay. what it was. Long story short is uh, all these years I was getting numb and then losing eyesight and I come back again. And then back, uh, I think it was uh, the year 2000, it really hit me pretty hard. Okay. And that's where they diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We did uh, multiple spinal taps. I had a neurologist probably from 1995 onwards because we figured that it was my comp yeah. discs. Okay. It might have been something like that. Uh, but they finally did uh, something, uh, it was a spinal tap, MRIs, and they just found out the way my brain scan looked like the stars in a beautiful night in the middle of the desert. <laughs> nope. Something you like in the middle of the night in a beautiful desert, but not necessarily in your brain scan. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a shock for me. Okay. So we hung up for, uh, hung out for a long time and tried to do my best. But then at that point, I was just using a cane to yeah. just get around, and I fully lost my uh, ability to actually write. Oh, yeah. okay. 
So uh, proceeded with probably five days a week physical therapy. Okay. And that was wonderful. Pilates got me lined up. Yeah. Gave me the strength back. Uh, you know, the physical therapy, I didn't even realize it, but you really have to work hard just to sign your name because you yeah. got to get that I'll back bet. again. And not to mention, I usually play the bass, and that was going, and I noticed that early on in life, so that was attributed. Yeah. So then again, I uh, went back uh, in 2017. I had another major attack where I became clinically blind. Wow. Spent a week in Torrance Hospital. Okay. They said it was MS, and they gave me the standard therapy, which is steroids. And yeah. that didn't work. Okay. Went back to my neurologist, who was happened to be out of the country, came back, and he looked at me and said, Peter, I can no longer do anything for you. This is beyond what I think I can control for you. Now, he's been my neurologist since 1995 to 2017. Yeah. For him to say that meant pretty serious stuff. Yeah. Go to UCLA, he said. These okay. people are a research hospital. We rushed there immediately. And there was a team of doctors over there, and they finally figured it out. They said, listen, this isn't your typical multiple sclerosis. There must be something else going on. I mean, it was a really long duration. Too. Well, I'll, I'll be honest sure. with you. Yeah. I've been battling it for a long time. Yeah. It was a long duration. So yeah. I spent another, uh, within that, I spent, long story short, uh, one week there. But within two to three days, these big teams of research people coming in. I'm talking 20 people at a time, 10 people at a time. Yeah. They're looking at my paperwork, my history, everything else. They diagnosed me with NMO. These two women researchers said, we're going to try you out for this extremely rare disease. Only 40,000 people in the world have it. Okay. NMO. So it's a, it's a neural, neuromyelitis optica where it goes after your eyesight primarily and okay. then it goes after your spinal cord and your brain too as well. So thank God they did that incredible thing. So long story short is I've got this done. I figured out what's going on. They had to do a blood transfusion. They had to do multiple things. And now I'm on a regular regimen every six months where it keeps my immune system down because it's a okay. hyperactive system. Okay. So people out there, and I want to just throw this out to everybody. Multiple sclerosis is not a sentence where you just sit in your bed. You get out there, do physical therapy, Pilates, all the other good stuff that stay out there do the public you just don't when you get that diagnosis i plead to everybody don't stay home get out there research what the yeah. first thing i did was i tried to stay working yeah. but i said you know what i can't the doctor said specifically there's no cure for it but bring down all your pressure bring down all your things in life that cause stress and yeah sure enough it did i concentrated on my health i'm here today i'm walking pretty well have horrible nights sleeping don't get me wrong yeah but i'm out to help out and I, that's where i come out and i help out in all kinds of different types of things i needed to stay busy and active that's the only way to keep my mind clear and it, it does something to your body there's something about being busy and helping out the community oh and yeah absolutely the passage of time if nothing else right if you're sitting there and you're working on something and you're doing it time goes really quickly if you're sitting around and you're staring at the tv or you're <laughs> not doing anything it's the longest thing in the world. It's crazy. You hit the nail on the head, Jeff. That's exactly the truth. Yeah. And I did realize that was a, it was a complete truth, especially when I was clinically blind in 2017. Yeah. The doctor said, I don't know if you're going to come back. This might come back. It might not. Yeah. And that's where I sat home for six months, and I just experienced exactly what you just said. Yeah. I did so it took six that. months for your eyesight to return? Six months, return? and then it came back uh, a little bit better. I got past clinically blind. Yeah. But it was slowly getting better. It's a con wow. the computers. The TV set was just a random mush of brown objects moving around for about five to six months. And over a year and a half, yeah. I'd say mid-2018, a year and a half later, I was able to get back about 60 to 70% of my huh? eyesight. And it depends on daylight or yeah. in the evening time. 
I go by hour by hour with my yeah. disease. That's the way I look yeah. at it. Uh, it's just pain involved because your neurological system is impacted severely. Yeah. Sleeping is incredible. If I'm lucky if I get two, three hours, four hours of sleep at night. So the pandemic has even special meaning, even more <laughs> special meaning to you. So, you know, I'm, I'm, diabetic and uh i have my risks for that my wife has got pretty bad asthma where even when it's under control it seems like it's not under control that's the risk i'm the most worried about um i'm guessing that what you've got has got you uh hiding away from people a lot these days yes i know that's you know what you just got done describing is is a lot of the population it really is and um that's a serious matter going on forward and uh, we really have to be mindful even if you're a healthy and uh, you're elder or you're younger, you still have to be aware of the fact that there's other people. They might yeah. not look sick. Yep. They, 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 every time we go out to public, we present ourselves differently. Am I right? But what we do at home or when we have the doctors, it's nothing that we broadcast to everybody. So we have certain elements that we have to be careful yeah. about. And people, I truly believe, Jeff, uh, need to be aware of it, uh, who they're around and yeah. taking self self-awareness of, of, yeah we need uh, we need more people to be self-aware and to actually care about the people around them too right the, because right. we wear you know we wear our masks to protect other people you know Absolutely. your your mask protects me from from you my mask protects you from me so when people are walking around fighting about whether or not they should wear a mask even if it's just reducing the risk by a tiny bit mm-hmm. you know and we know it's more than that but even if it's just by a tiny bit it's consideration for your fellow man and the people that you come into contact with of course we also live in a really strange time where you know people don't want to vaccinate their children anymore right. even though we've got you know 150 200 years now of of actual anecdotal evidence to prove that these things work so weird days man like anything jeff you know you can't appease everybody and uh, the sooner you learn that life i always say to myself the the better you'd be off you know pursuing your whatever you're doing in life yeah it's a tough one yeah it is so so we met at the high school over the kids marching band program and um your energy that you bring to everything was remarkable i mean you've got this great enthusiasm to just jump in take control of anything that needs to get taken care of and just attack it. And I know we spent two years fighting through the program. Nothing stops Peter from jumping in and getting involved and doing things. When I can, when, when yeah. my body lets me do it, I, I, I tend to do that. Correct. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the beginning of this year happened, which was the middle of the school year for the kids, right? And everything just kind of stopped. What was it like in your house when the shutdown orders came and when school closed and all of that? Obviously, it's not just me, but it's a shocker to everybody. So oh, yeah. what we do is we try to get all the facts and stay tuned. But for me personally, uh, Scoutmaster with the Boy Scouts, I've got, I have a uh, 17-year-old son who's going to be finishing his Eagle Project. Oh, nice. And of all places, it's on campus. Okay. Related to the marching band. It's in one of their actual tough sheds near the field. And you can't get to it. You can't get to it. <laughs> Solar panels he needs to install. Oh, <laughs> so man. That's my biggest worry, believe it or not. My son has been working with them in the Boy Scouts. I love the Boy Scout program. I see how it does a great thing for all the kids in, in it. But my objective was personally, how are we going to get with this pandemic on the campus? And that was early on, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, as you can see today, we're sitting at August 1st. Yeah. And uh, situations are even more, uh, what you'd say, worse than what it was. And it yeah. doesn't look like it's too bright the future for our kids getting on campus. Yeah. I mean, I have hopes that the second half of the school year might be better. Um, you know, I'm hoping that 
um, either medical technology will get better and they'll figure out how to better treat things, or people will wise up when they start to realize that the only way to fix this is to just cooperate with each other. I think we're going to hit a point where people are going to see that this is the world we live in and they have to... Uh, it, 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 they have to pay attention. I think you're right, Jeff, because the people, until they actually hit them directly, why the, or, whether it's when they visually see something like the refrigerator yeah. trucks like you see in New York, or you do lose somebody. As yeah. a matter of fact, my uh, uncle, uh, Jimmy, my mother's brother, passed away from COVID. I'm sorry. And that was in the uh, latter part of March. And he got sick. Uh, and unfortunately, he passed away in relatively two weeks after being diagnosed. And he was, unsadly to say alone in the hospital yeah here he is a big figure uh very very instrumental with the catholic church goes in a regular basis uh, the thing is is that he was a big part of the community a banker a lender and uh for him to die alone yeah he's a social bug like me was a yeah. horrific thing it was just down yeah. down so when people are affected like what you're saying and they physically or if they see it in the family getting affected, it, it changes their mindset. Am I right? Yeah. Where's your extended family? My mother is from the Ercolano family, uh, Ercolani, Ercolano. It's yeah. Herculaneum in near Pompeii. Okay. That's where their family originally is, the Italian side and my uh, mother's side. And my father's side is Ferrari. Okay. Plus, yeah, Goldstein. Okay. So we got a little bit Jewish in a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> goes back. That's my great-grandfather. Nice. Great-grandmother. <laughs> and the great-grandfather, two Goldstein brothers. Yeah. And they married two Ferrari sisters. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes back to that. So I got a little okay. love Ferrari. There you go. There you go. Uh, Italian and uh, <clears throat> from the Ukraine. So uh, that goes back a long way. And uh, I'm first generation. So, okay. uh, yeah, here in the United States. Cool. So, so, so where was your your family member that passed away? Here in L.A.? Or? Okay. Good question. I have, uh, I'm a Catholic family. And my dad and mom had five of us. So yeah. I'm the only boy, the oldest out of four sisters. Uh, my one of my sisters is in Orange County right now, Costa Mesa. Another one's in Santa Monica, okay. and the two of them are in Malibu. Okay. One of them you might know. Uh, she's she's married to a famous someone very famous, and I'm sure you know. Oh <laughs> yes. yes, we've talked about that. Yeah, that's funny. How about your uh, your your wife's family? They're local so as well. So my wife's family. This is the this is the great thing about my wife's family, and this expanded me tremendously. Uh, mentally and seeing how the rest of the world operates and yeah this is something that i think that uh, educated not only me but my family my wife and everybody else I met my wife she's malaysian okay through work and that was in 1989 1990 and we were trying to do something called this new thing that where we we're going to transmit data because i'm a computer background with yeah. programming and stuff and we bought another company and happened to be her company. And we we're using drivers to go back and forth, taking data to make microfiche and laser. Well, yep. there's this new concept. I don't know if you ever heard of it, Jeff. It's uh, it's uh, modems. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I've, I've played with one or two in my day. Yeah. <laughs> you did, huh? Yeah. With your computer knowledge. No, it's, it's funny you say that because my first real job, I wrote a computer bulletin board that used a modem, obviously, cause, so that... Our customers, uh, we were in the magazine distribution business, right? and we were the distributor, and we distributed to newsstands around the country. Wow. And so the newsstands would fill out an order form every month and send it to us, and then it would go to the pick line, and they'd pick the magazines and ship them. Right. Um, and I built on an old, it wasn't old, it was new at the time, <laughs> an Apple II bulletin board system, you know, with the modem and everything set up for it. Very and great. now the customers could dial in 
and put their order online on the computer instead of sending a piece of paper that then had to be key punched in order to be run through the data processing system to generate the labels and everything. And I'm way dating myself. But yes, I know modems well. I've worked with them probably as long as you have. You dated yourself. Punch cards too. Yeah, punch cards too. Yeah. That's entrepreneurial. That was yeah. a fantastic thing you did. Yeah, I, I, there was some fun stuff in those days. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, so my wife, uh, we started working together. I remember going to this new company called CompUSA, bought some modems for $900 a piece. Yeah, they were blazing $1,200 <laughs> too, probably. Maybe 2400 uh, at that oh, price. And, and us old-timers, you understand that. Oh, remember yeah. that sound of yeah. when the phone connects? Yep, yep. And uh, yeah. we went through that, and we'd be transmitting data, and then it would drop. Yeah. So it would take us just to get maybe... Uh, 50 pages, 100 pages, maybe an hour, two yep. hours. It was just uh, tumultuous. It was a really difficult time yeah. trying to get it. Right. There, there, were, nice. there were days when it was still faster to key punch it than it was to actually <laughs> crash up my computer. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. So, yeah, that's how our relationship started. And uh, we uh, we didn't uh, – we, we finally got married. Uh, and, and, and after about five years, we got married. Then we went to Malaysia for the first time. And I just realized how big of her family was. So I ended up yeah. knowing uh, – uh, her father and mother, she didn't tell me too much about it, but when her father said he was coming to visit the United States prior to us going to Malaysia, uh, he said he was bringing over a bunch of these uh, college professors with him, and he's traveling around the world. So I realized the magnitude of who her father was. Okay. I found he was, uh, he, his, he's a Malaysian and is part of the British Commonwealth. And okay. He was knighted. Oh. Like, in the, cause yeah. he's part of the Commonwealth. Nice. They call it, they give my title, it's called Tan Sri. Okay. And uh, he studied. He was the attorney general for Brunei from uh, oh. for a while until the uh, there was an up uh, there was a rising at there, yeah. and uh, they had to leave after a year and a half. It was a, a coup kind of thing. And then her father became a superior court judge, studied in London, England, uh, very well knowledgeable person. So he was a little intimidating, you might say. Oh uh, yes, <laughs> I, I would think so. So uh, she did tell me about that. So uh, yeah, he came, and then we went to uh, we went to Malaysia, and we met the uh, the family, uh, wonderful family. I think there's three hundred, and I pretty much know <laughs> almost all their names. <laughs> You're a better man than I am. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough one. So uh, Malaysia, it's you know, it's it's part of the Commonwealth. Uh, they've got a king, you know, uh, just like Malaysia. I mean, just like England. Yeah. And they have thirteen states. Uh, I think there's a total of. Uh, 13 states and out of those two there's kings and they alternate every three or four years so it's a very important thing but yeah the uh the i love malaysia and i'm gonna say this uh again it's a well-run country uh it is muslim yeah but every religion is there they're all they're all there it's, yeah it's a very comfortable open-minded society there's my wife she's got uh, two master's degree bachelor's degree yeah you could become a doctor you could become a lawyer you can become anything you want in malaysia it's the mindset you know prior to us me even going there we we had we have an outlook of sure you travel freely everybody speaks english uh and the nice thing about malaysia is it's centrally located and uh, you can travel anywhere yeah like thailand cambodia yeah. multiple times vietnam yeah laos uh, australia it's a well well-to-do country how often do you go back uh minimum once a year and okay. we stay for uh, three weeks my mother-in-law my fa- unfortunately my father-in-law passed away uh but my mother-in-law she's still there okay and uh quite a large house and quite a large family so we always look forward to it yeah and, uh, she's in her i think she's 88 so we always make a point to go back but uh, did you get uh, back there this year before the world shut down good question no and uh 
we didn't and we won't and we'll see how that goes if i can give you a little description jeff if you yeah. don't mind uh, right now we uh, i had my uh, one of my nephews here faisal he stayed with me he came in august of 2018 to go to Dominguez hills which is our local uh, university yeah. to get his uh, bachelor of science degree business administration so he finished up he just left back to Malaysia, spent two years here. He was supposed to have a work visa too as well to continue working, but as you know, the way the COVID has hit, there's no jobs, unemployment's yeah. high, so he lost that visa. So he basically, Malaysia had been proactive. What they've done is, is they've told everybody to go sit in place, just like what we did here, stay in yeah. home for a while. Yeah. And they, between the towns, they guarded the towns to make sure no one went past intermingled and stuff like that. So, so they actually they actually put up uh, borders around Borders. Uh, you could travel amongst them, but if you had a permit from a doctor or something like that, yeah. you, know, you could do that. Yeah. The thing is, is right now, my nephew went back. He's telling me that he's under 14-day quarantine, but it's just yes. the same as Hawaii's yep. doing for us it's, right now. You, if you went from California to New York City, you have to go into a 14-day quarantine. They right. not know that, but there yeah. you go, Jeff. So that's a simple yeah. standard thing that's understandable. Uh, there was people that met him in the airport in hazmat suits and they took them directly to a hotel okay uh from that hotel they're going to stay there they put a wristband on them so just in case they slip out the wristband will identify, identify him, him right right that other people will see him he can get heavily fined or jail time okay uh the second thing is all the food is given to him okay and they do third thing is they give him a swab immediately let him know so the so the country actually puts you into a quarantine that they pay for they did pay for it in the beginning, yeah. but now that the masses from March all the way up to, I believe, uh, I think it was June, early June, they stopped it. Now you have to pay for it, too. Because, okay. they, you know, that's a, I think that's pretty much a big cost. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absorbed, 14 but, days in a hotel is expensive. Sure. Yeah, but for the safety, and it worked relatively well. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing is stopped. And then the Malaysian culture, yeah. unlike what we have here in the United States, the Malaysian culture is family stay together. Am I right? Yeah. You got your youngs, you got the young kids in, you got your, your husband and wife having kids, and then yeah. you got your grandparents living with you. So there's a lot of easy transmission that could affect the family uh, yes. directly. Yeah. Say. I see that. Correct. So they needed to put a stop to that. It's a small country, and then when you think about yeah. the density for the, where the populations are, so it could easily wipe out or really decimate. You know, it's it's funny. I have a I have a friend who's from France who I spoke to um, for the podcast uh, previous week, and he was telling me that in in Europe they did the same thing in the beginning when they locked down. Right, if you needed right. to go out of the house for something, you had to have a permit to do it. Right. Now you could go online and fill it out and print it and get that, but you 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 had to have a specific reason that was authorized. Otherwise, the authorities could stop you and send you back. Correct. For good or bad, the rest of the world seems to have gotten things relatively under control because they took those actions early on to restrict movement and, and get everybody separated from each other. And we didn't. And, and I understand that we have the rugged individualist culture and we believe that we have the right to the absolute freedom to move around at all times. And we, we depend on each other, right, to, to right. cooperate we together. Do. But, you know, it's five months, six months in, and we're still on fire. Mm, and the rest of the world is down to a slow smolder. Yeah. I agree with you, Jeff. It's affecting everything now. Our main, main thing is not only the spread of the education. Education yeah. is a key element for this world economy we have today yeah. here. And we need to stay ahead. And now I'm going to elaborate just a little bit more. My nephew left. Yeah. He was invited to Mingus Hills through outreach from the community. I mean, from the college. Yeah. They also brought in a lot of Chinese. He had a lot of Japanese friends. 
even Malaysian friends, guess what, Jeff? Hmm. They all went back. They all went home. Yep. So what does that tell you for the universe? How much money did the yep. actual university lose just by his five friends uh-huh. that we had over for dinner all the time are now no longer here? Yeah. They canceled classes because yeah. it's all online because they felt that they truly wanted to be here. Yeah. That's a large amount of money yeah. and stimulus for them. And it's long-term loss to our economy too because those guys aren't going to stay here and start businesses and become contributors right i mean Absolutely. they're gonna they're gonna stay home and they're gonna figure out how to do Absolutely. it there i actually have uh, one of my nephews from malaysia has got a full scholarship to the air force he's there right now he was able to stay he was a little bit scared because trump ended up stating that if you're not into if you're doing online training or something yeah. like that yeah. and my other niece from malaysia he has a scholarship for purdue she was also on that list to go sent back, but thank God Fortunately, they, they yeah. made it so there was a loophole. She's staying now, which is great. That's good. That's right. good. What is uh? What do you what do you think the next six months look like? Well, I'm hopeful. Um, there's a lot of information out there. Yeah. So we got to pick and choose and uh, feel what you do in your heart. But uh, I'm always going to be optimistic, like you said. I'm always an optimistic person, and uh, let's hope that uh, we can get uh, our marching band back out there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, hey, I gra- I graduated out of that, but uh, my my little marching band musician uh, is moving on to college, and I'm I would like to see things get back to normal so she can actually play with other people instead of, uh, you know, uh, recording on Zoom and uh, and uh, trying to be an ensemble uh, in little boxes like the Brady Bunch opening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he's going. It's his senior year. Yeah, senior year, and also hope to get back in the scouts. Uh, like I said, uh, we're still meeting uh, meeting remotely on Zoom, which is working really, really, relatively yeah. well. In the beginning, like anything, Jeff, as you know, dealing with computers, yeah. you know how it is in meetings. And uh, Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, if there's ever going to be timing for this, the timing was, was good because the technology had just hit a far enough advancement that anybody could jump in and do video conferencing. Very right? good point, Jeff. Um, if this were 10 years ago, we literally would be dead in the water because it just wasn't there. You had to be, you had to, you know, work for a big company. You had to have very expensive equipment. And now, you know, I use Zoom all the time on the free account because I'm not doing it for business, but everybody has access to it. So I guess it's a great time for that. It is. So if you, yeah, I guess you could look at it as part of the education process towards the future for youngsters learning how to do that. And yeah. It's gonna, don't you think, uh, Jeff, what is your personal feelings? Do uh, you think it's going to change the dynamics of work? And, yes, uh, I think we permanently change the dynamics of work. I think businesses at this point realize that they don't have to be all together in the office mm-hmm. all the time. Now, that's for good or bad, right? It's mm-hmm. going to save companies a lot of money in real estate and, and all of that kind of thing. I think that there's a lot, personally, I think there's a loss when people don't get together in a room um, at times, especially um, people who are brainstorming a problem. I, I, for me, trying to do that in, in uh, video conferencing, even with a digital whiteboard, is not the same as standing right. around the right. table and around the board and, and doing your thing. So I think we have to figure out the balance of that. But um, one of the one of the great things that comes out of it, and I'm seeing it a lot in the the filmmaking and artist community for like the animation business, which I've spent a lot of years working in, right. is that we figured out how to solve problems like I have a, a computer program I have to run that's very dependent on fast disks because mm-hmm. of the amount of pictures I'm moving. Processing. So I have to be local to where my disks are. 
well, now all of those guys are working from home and the discs are still sitting in the studio, right? Whether it's using cloud or some other technical tricks, they figured out how to expand out and give people that kind of access, mm. which means the talent pool's expanded now, right? You don't have to be an animator who lives in Los Angeles. Right. You can be in North Carolina and still work for one of the big studios because we understand now how to set you up so that you could work from there. Gotcha. It, so, it opened it up quite a bit. Yeah, I think the potential of that is tremendous, and for good or bad, right? I mean, um, for the local community, it's probably more of a challenge because it means some of their jobs won't be there anymore. Right. At the same time, it means that you can move to a less expensive city to live in, and um, that's a good point. And and work as well, so um, that's, that's it can help point. democratize business a little bit more, and you know, bring everybody to to a more even level. So I think there's a lot of potential in what we're learning coming out of this. Um, I'm an entertainment guy, and <laughs> that's pretty dead <laughs> at this point. Right, right. Um, we're going to learn a lot coming out of it uh, when all is said and done. Uh, it's just a matter of it starting to gel enough so that we can get people together to do it. So That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Got to stay positive. You yeah, know, it's, stay positive. Yeah, exactly. Pandemics come and go throughout history. They all burn themselves out eventually. Yeah. Um, we need to be good to each other so that we keep the number of people who suffer through it rather, you know, as low as we can That's so that when we come out on the other end, everything is good. That's right. And we've got an economy we have to worry about, too. Ah, uh, yes. That's, Without that's, a doubt. That's a very important aspect of it. Anything I can plug for you? Well, uh, no, as it is right now, I appreciate the time and, uh, you know, the, the questions and the opportunity to chat with you. It's, been, uh, it's it, fantastic. It's uh, always, it's always fun chatting with you, Peter. Thanks for coming over. Absolutely.